0: Imagine that growing up, you always felt a little out of place in your own country. And then, as a young adult, you moved to an obscure country halfway across the world, let's say the Kyrgyz Republic. And instead of feeling like a foreigner, you actually fit in like you'd been there all your life. How can this be? You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories.
1: I memorize a lot of sayings in Kyrgyz, and that always got brownie points, especially from the older generation. Um, one that I one that's like my favorite that most Kyrgyz people don't actually know is which you say after you have a meal especially if someone prepared it for you that has gotten me like marriage proposals you have no idea how many marriage proposals I've received and either they're serious or not serious like it's just from that expression
0: <laughs> this week Marriage proposals go lower, hanging out with Kyrgyz pop stars, and learning to keep one's voice down. Join us on a journey from New York City to Bishkek and Osh and learning that you are an American after all. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These
1: exchanges shape who I am
0: you get to know these people they're not quite like you you read about them they are people very much like ourselves and
1: oh that's what we call cultural
0: exchange
1: Um, my name is amanda tribolsi I'm from New York City. I participated in the Fulbright Student Program from 2016 to 2017 in the Kyrgyz Republic. I was based in Bishkek, but also spent some time in Osh. Now I am a Project Assistant at the National Democratic Institute in Washington, D.C., working for the Asia Regional Team. So the first story that I wanted to share is basically about the diversity of Central Asia and how the region has been influenced by so many different cultures since they've been under the rule of Mongols, um, the Persians, the Soviets, and how that all kind of ties into the culture today. And um, as a mixed person myself, my mom is Korean and my father is Arab. It was very comfortable for me to adjust right away in Central Asia. Um, This was actually the first time in in my life where people actually kind of, you know, they just assumed that I was local. And I thought that was a really cool feeling because every time I would visit um, my parents, um, my parents' families in, in South Korea or in Saudi Arabia, um, it was always like, you don't, oh, you look kind of different, you know, you're not one of us. They would never say that, but it it always kind of felt like I wasn't really fully part of the culture. And I felt like, whereas in Kyrgyzstan, I, I always felt like I was part of it. And that was really special. I really tried my best to make friends with local people, just to integrate myself into the culture. and I, I felt like my, I, I felt like I was a chameleon the whole time. I really I was able to blend in. I would buy local clothing. I would try to just not stand out too much and I, and I could feel myself kind of almost losing an ident- like an identity almost. and it was nice. It was nice to be able to adapt to different cultures and not have this barrier up all the time. When I was living in Osh, which um, the majority of people living in Osh are Kyrgyz, but there's a also a very um, big Uzbek population that lives there. And um, I would go to the bazaars and bargain in Kyrgyz. Because my Russian is good, but in Osh, people speak Kyrgyz much more or Uzbek. And one of the sellers, the, the vendors, was um, Uzbek. And he was confused why I was bargaining in Kyrgyz, because I look Uzbek. I don't look Kyrgyz. And it was this whole, like, there was just so much drama. All these people, like, coming all of a sudden being like, what, you're, like, you're not Uzbek. And I just thought that was really funny um, that um, no matter where I went, people kind of just assumed I was like them. And I, I don't know, I thought that was very special. ¶¶ People would always be surprised to find out I was American, and it was usually always a positive reaction whenever they found out that I was American. Rarely did I ever encounter negative instances. Maybe this experience did kind of solidify and I guess confirm what I had questioned before about my own identity. I knew that I was always kind of unsure as to how to identify, and I felt more comfortable saying that I was American in in Kyrgyzstan. And I guess in the U.S. growing up, especially where I did, I mean, I grew up in New York City, but I grew up in the Upper East Side specifically, and I had gone to a school that was pretty homogenous. It was a private school, and I was one of the few people of color in my class, and I I never kind of felt like I felt like people didn't really see me as an American. I never I, I thought I saw myself as like a different kind of American. But whereas when I w- went to Kyrgyzstan, I it kind of confirmed and you know my doubts in myself. And of course, I am an American. I'm here through an American program, and I my everything about the way I think is American. One big thing that I was kind of surprised about um, in my experience there is how popular I got just by being American, but not a white American. Because I guess um, based on Hollywood films, people are just used to seeing like only you know people with blonde hair and blue eyes. And um, when I you know would open my mouth and speak as a native English speaker, it would always just surprise them. Um, wow, she kind of looks like us, but she's American. Like that's so cool. Maybe we can be American one day. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to be able to kind of represent other people um, from the States. I think because of that, I I became very popular. I, I gained, like, a lot of followers on Instagram while I was there because I would run these talking clubs every week. It was open to the public. It didn't matter how old you were or if you were a student. It, every, it was at the um, local library called Bayalinova in Bishkek, and every single session we got new um, listeners um each time they would come up to us me and david the other david dry was the other fulbright uh, scholar um and they would ask us all these questions about our personal lives and it was just interesting to get so much attention because no one was ever really interested in my life before <laughs> um and, and then suddenly in kyrgyzstan i was featured on different um news outlets like i yeah i was written about by KG and 24.kg like all these big um news sites, they're kind of the equivalent of BuzzFeed uh, for Kyrgyzstan. And so like each time a new article was published, I just get like another 200 followers. Like right now, I I think I have like close to 2000 followers on Instagram and the majority of them are from Kyrgyzstan. I had um, one talking club. This one guy, Mider, at the end of the talking club, he came up to me and David, and um, asked if we, he could get more practice um, besides just through the talking club. Because sometimes you'd have talking clubs with 120 people, and you know, obviously, we couldn't give everyone our attention. So he, yeah, we, I talked to him one-on-one afterwards a little bit, and you know, I was asking him like, what does he do? And he said he's a singer. I was like, okay. I mean. Like, I like to sing, too. Like, what you know, what what do you sing? And it turns out he's actually a famous Kyrgyz pop star. Um, I, I didn't believe him until he showed me his Instagram page, and he had, like, 250,000 followers. Um, people, like, like, all my students are, were already following him, and I just, I had never heard of him before. Um, but as soon as, like, I became friends with him, he started introducing me to all his friends, and they're all famous, and suddenly... <laughs> I'm friends with all these famous people in Kyrgyzstan, <laughs> like most like Kyrgyz pop
0: stars. Tüm dördüm döşüm dava, ündördüm döşüm. Özüm oldum beni, bavmankizatım oldum beni. Bunlar mı ailen? Görün bugün çok dermen, kaldım sağa ailen. Jarıhta gök görben, göç albay, öt görben. Gde kapalangansı bulut canını görün beyt. Aylap gungut çıldap, gelbeti barcasalma
1: I definitely was forced out of my comfort zone many times. And the biggest one I can remember that has stuck with me is when I went to a wedding in Jalalabad, which is in the south. It was the wedding of a student of a fellow Fulbrighter who was based in Jalalabad. And he invited all the Fulbright teachers of that year to attend the wedding. It was the best wedding I've ever attended. It was full day and a half. It started at 6 a.m. We all, I got ready with the bride's family and the men got ready with the groom's uh, family and everything was so chaotic but also really entertaining for someone who's never been to a Kyrgyz wedding before and um, they really wanted me to make a speech so I had the whole day to, to kind of prepare for it but they wanted me to do it in Kyrgyz and while my Russian is good, my Kyrgyz was still kind of I'm still at like the beginner's low intermediate level but I knew that this would be the, big, the most fulfilling and rewarding challenge if I actually got to, to do it <laughs> I kept messing up throughout the day. I couldn't even focus on, like, what was happening because I just wanted to perfect the speech and, like, perfect Kyrgyz. Uh, it was such a challenge, but it was so worth it because this the words in the speech could be used for almost all toasts. After I did it, and it was on camera and everything in front of, like, a thousand guests or something crazy like that, I could still use the same words in that speech for anything else I parties after that and like during New Year's I used the same one and everyone was just so shocked like how does she know like such words I don't even know that because a lot of Kyrgyz people don't speak Kyrgyz a lot of them especially the ones from Bishkek only know Russian I felt like that was a really great challenge for me and I overcame it and I still remember it that's <laughs> like one of the things you can say at the end um, that is the, the one I remember. Um, I also, I memorize a lot of sayings. How does it translate? It's like, I, I wish you success, good health, um, and happiness um, in your wedded life or whatever. <laughs> I remember thinking that a lot when I was roaming around bazaars and just like pretending like I've been doing it my whole life and just like kind of I felt like really cool just being able to bargain and in their in the, the native language of you know Kyrgyz people in Kyrgyz it was definitely one of the most important goals I wanted to achieve in the beginning just because I felt like that could really connect me to the culture more and I remember my, my parents visited me, and I I felt so proud being able to take them around and buy whatever they needed without any problems in communication. Um, I feel like I'm sounding like I'm showing off, but it was if it's like all genuine, I swear. <laughs> like having being able to point different directions to people who didn't know the city well um, from the country you know people from Osh coming to Bishkek not knowing where to go and I felt like a real local just being able to point out the direction and I was yeah there were times when I was like oh I wish my friends at home could see me right now like this is so um, like they probably would have never imagined me here. definitely no shoes in the house even living on my own here in dc i I still try to do that um that's something that really has stuck with me um also my tea consumption (laughs) has increased um i don't rely on coffee and i don't think i ever did but i i definitely am more dependent on tea and it makes me feel like good and (laughs) warm inside and um I also always give up my seat for elderly people, which I, you know, especially in New York City, I never really thought about that, even though it's it's only humane, but I definitely am more conscious of and aware of that, and um, yeah, whenever I am in the metro, I always, or if someone who looks like they really need a seat, just I just give it up. Like, I feel like I'm much more aware of my surroundings and the volume of my voice as well. I mean, I never was a loudspeaker at restaurants or anything, but once I was in Kyrgyzstan, I realized, oh my gosh, Americans really are loud. <laughs> like, I mean, especially, you know, the other um, Americans I met, um, I would find myself adapting like the local mentality and being like, why are they so loud? Um, so I definitely found myself kind of adapting local. Um, menta- I don't know if it, mentality is the right word, but habits um, in thought and in practice. It was just a really great experience. I would definitely say that my year um, in in Kyrgyzstan was probably one of the best years of my life. But it was long enough for me to realize I want to come back. And it's Kyrgyzstan is a very and I guess Central Asia in general is very special to me. And I I kept wanting to go back. And I've been back three times since my Fulbright has ended. Um, but much of that was due to the fact that my studies. I just finished my grad uh, my masters and. I was studying Central Asian civil society, so I, you know, I returned for those reasons as well. But I, I definitely see myself returning and um, finding work there. I would like to work in the field. And I don't necessarily see something, but I feel it, and I feel relaxed and I feel calm because I think there's something really unique about the mentality of. I guess not just Kyrgyz people, but of Central Asia in general and how people really know how to live in the moment. It The pace of life is so different over there. Here, especially in you know metropolitan areas, I feel like I always have to think about the next step. What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do next week? What am I going to do next year or five years from now? I have to have a plan laid out. Whereas over there, I knew that I didn't need to worry about what was going to happen in two minutes. I just was able to really enjoy the moment. And I don't know what it is. If it's the air, if it's the food, I don't know. Like the people are just, I just felt very comfortable, and that's just how I feel when I think of Kyrgyzstan, and I really miss it. And I, I always have this like longing to return and share with Kyrgyz or you know Kyrgyzstani citizens more about my perspectives and gain more from you know their experiences and kind of bring that back to the U.S. I want, I would like more people to know about Central Asia and more about the culture because I think they have so much to offer the world and I wish that there was a way to do that.
0: In this episode, Amanda Trabolsi told us about her time as a Fulbright Scholar in the Kyrgyz Republic. For more about Fulbright and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We also encourage you to subscribe to 2233, and you can do that wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at Collaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Special thanks this week to Amanda for sharing her experiences. I did the interview and edited this episode. Featured music was Blues in E-flat by Red Norvo and his Swing Octet. Knowing the Truth by Lee Rosevere. Blunted Sesh 7 by The Silent Partner. Cold Feet by Steve Klink. And Jirai by none other than Amanda's pop star pal, Bagish. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came. And credit music, always, is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Until next time.